What's the secret to your hair, Dr. Lisa? I get that question so much. And what I have changed recently is using my Nourish Collagen Peptides from the Nourish Balance Thrive line. As you know, before I ever put my name on anything, I test it out for months. And so therefore, I have been using this product for a long time before it ever became available to you guys. Why am I loving this product so much more than any other ones that I've ever used? A, this is grass-fed collagen. So if you are dealing with post-COVID hair loss, if you are dealing with a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a hypo or just low thyroid diagnosis and you're losing your hair, or maybe you're noticing your hair just isn't as thick as it used to be when you were in your 20s, right? There's so many of us noticing that. You might want to add some collagen into your routine. And the Nourish Collagen Peptides is from grass-fed cows, so you're going to love that. You're not going to get all the nasty hormones or whatever else that might be in conventional products. I am always looking for the cleanest source available. What else? If you're looking in the mirror and you're noticing those laugh lines, or if you can pinch your skin and it doesn't like rebound back as fast as it used to, that means the elasticity of your skin just isn't there and we want to rebuild it, nourish it so it can thrive, right? So the Nourish Collagen Peptides will do just that. And obviously as a chiropractor, I love this because it is good for your joint health as well. So Nourish Collagen Peptides has type 1 and type 3 collagen peptides in it, which are great for, like I said, hair, skin, and nails. So if you are dealing with laugh lines or thinning hair or creaky joints, you're going to want to grab a container of the Nourish Collagen Peptides. You can mix it into your smoothies, into your coffee. You can mix it into like your brownies if you're eating that drlisao.com, click the shop link or click the link below. Okay, so in this episode, I interviewed Dr. Zach Bush. He is an endocrinologist and he has all sorts of certifications as you'll see me slaughter them all and trying to do his intro. But he is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And this is a long podcast, but I really want you to listen to it because you're gonna understand the importance of why we need to buy organic foods. Um, And then he also deep dives a little bit into the cancer rates and what might be behind some of them. So take a listen. If you're interested in his product, he created a product called Restore. It is now called Ion Biome. You can find that link below the podcast here to be able to order that online. It's something that I recommend to all of our clients. It's something we all absolutely need to have right now because whether or not we're trying to eat organic 100% of the time, we're still ending up with glyphosate in all different aspects in our life because it's in our rainwater even now. And if you don't know what glyphosate is, glyphosate is basically Roundup uh, from Monsanto. So uh, take a listen. There's a lot of information in it. So you might need to do this in chunks or might need to listen to it a couple times, but it is definitely worth it for your your health, your spouse's health, your family's health. Make sure you listen to it. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm Dr. Lisa Olszewski. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant you. Are you ready? Let's do this. so honored to have over here to my side, Dr. Zach Bush. He's somebody that I've been following. Um, he's got some really great information. He's an endocrinologist. Um, I'm going to mess all of this up. He's also triple board certified um, in internal medicine, endocrinology and metabolism and hospice and palliative care. 
So absolutely brilliant man. There is information as, as you followed me and our journey here, we always talk about following an organic lifestyle. And I even get it in my practice where people are like, is it really necessary? And with some of this information today that Dr. Zach is gonna share with you, you're probably gonna understand why we want to do that. So I'm gonna give you the floor. Give me a little bit of information about how you got into kind of this transition, right? Um, you have an amazing story. So let's just start with that first. Yeah, my background very much allopathic, normal Western medicine trained doctor, pharmaceutical mind. Um, was steeped in uh, the dogma of clinical care around pharmaceutical management of chronic disease. And my research got me into chemotherapy development ultimately after taking a lot of uh, twists and turns. And so I was working on uh, vitamin A compounds to kill cancer and that got me indirectly into the nutrition world where I kind of accidentally started studying nutrition having realized that vitamin A actually came from carrots and not test tubes. And so that was kind of my intro into that understanding. And this was around 2006, 2007. And at the same time, a number of my colleagues uh, were starting to write books around the power of nutrition to re reverse chronic disease. And Neil Barnard was one of them that caught my attention. His book was uh, Reversing Diabetes, a, a non-drug non approach to reversing this condition. And so um, I had trained at the third best endocrine program in the world by the statistics and had never heard that you could reverse type 2 diabetes. So it was a real aha moment of just how pharmaceuticalized I had been as a clinician and as an intellectual mind. And uh, so it was a big opening for me to say, whoa, there's this power of nutrition goes beyond cancer. What if it's cancer, diabetes, and everything in between that could be healed by the food we eat and the nutrients that would be there? So that was inspiring, exciting time that was pulling me out of a little bit of a funk. I was pretty depressed at the time because my healthcare experience to date had been really dismal. I, the more we do drug-wise to change the numbers, lower blood sugar, lower cholesterol, we see our patients getting sicker and side effects and feeling worse, not better. And so there was a big disconnect between what the textbooks were telling me was gonna work and what was seemingly working in the, in the clinic. And this promise of nutrition was a whole new world for me. And so, as academia really started to collapse with the recession, we, everybody was losing funding. The University of Virginia, where I was at, lost funding for our general clinical research center that had been funded since 1969. So we really saw this free fall happening in academic medicine, which forced a huge exodus. And most of those people ended up going into pharmaceutical industry. And so most of our division, all the excellent researchers who had to leave, uh, many of them ended up at the University of Indiana, which had no reputation nationwide until just a couple of years before this, when Eli Lilly, which was a pharmaceutical company, uh, bought uh, the University of Indiana essentially. And they suddenly funded all of these clinical labs for all these researchers around the country. And they quickly built one of the, the most robust research and development teams in the, in the world for diabetes-like research. And so suddenly we see this merging of pharmaceutical and academia at a level that had never been admitted before, but has obviously existed for many decades, is that the pharmaceutical companies have owned us uh, in, in indirectly, if not directly, and they've really owned our education. Um, they've, they've worked to really limit our exposure to things like nutrition, exercise physiology, outdoor power, all this stuff. So all of that was the backdrop of my story. Uh, left in 2010 um, and started a nutrition center intentionally in the poorest community in Virginia. So I went out into rural Virginia, started this clinic in a town of 550 people, serving a catchment rural area of about 40,000 rural uh, people who didn't have access to good food. 
Uh, most of them didn't act, uh, were a 40 minute drive to the nearest grocery store. So they were often eating out of, out of gas stations rather than grocery stores. So really junk food, junk food, junk food kind of uh, mindset. And I felt like if I could find a curriculum and education platform that could reach fifth generation poverty in the middle of Virginia and food desert and change their health, then I would have something that could extrapolate and become a foundation for a new health model for the whole nation. And so that's what I set out to do. And it's been quite a journey over the last nine years since then. And a couple of years into that, uh, just to kind of close this back to where you started the, the podcast, which is all of you listeners are out there learning a ton about nutrition and you're, you've heard of organic you've heard, and, and sometimes we're just lacking the conviction of why it's important to get away from the chemicals in our food. Uh, that really got brought home to me in my first two years in this clinic. And so running this nutrition center, I was teaching extreme versions of health. I was teaching all these you know, people at the poverty line how to stop smoking so they could afford vegetables and once affording vegetables, how to juice massive amounts of kale and, and root vegetables and all of this. And excitingly, I saw, you know, 30% of those patients, you know, just reversing diabetes and having cancer going to remission, like crazy things happening that I had never even believed really possible until it was happening in front of my eyes. And then there was 30% that just didn't really respond. They're working their butts off. They're trying, they're committed to the effort and there might be slight improvements, but they're short lived and then they're stuck. And then there was a full third that were really challenging our nutrition paradigm that were getting sicker, not better on health food. They literally felt better. Their inflammation markers were lower eating white bread and processed meat compared to eating a high, you know, complex carbohydrate diet. This, I think, mistakenly, you know, birthed things like the paleo movement and the high protein diets and stuff like that got, you know, repopulized by this phenomenon. But in the end, what we have found is that those individuals, that 30% of the population that fails under health food and the 30% that doesn't really improve much on that health food are experiencing not a lack of nutrition, they're experiencing an excess of toxicity within that food. And so we started studying not just plant health, but soil health and started to understand the relationships between chemical farming, the agriculture would produce and the human health or disease that would result. Yeah, and that's huge. And, and talking about the microbiome and all of and that within the body. So let's even delve into that. And then maybe, um, like, I don't want to make it a whole scary podcast, but the reality is, and we start to look at some of the stuff like cancer rates and, and everything that you've talked about in that research, I do want to dig into that to stress the importance of why we want to look for cleaner foods. And you mentioned kale, and that's something, you know, let's let's dig into all of that if you have the time for yeah. all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. So why is it urgent? We can start there. Um, it's urgent because we don't have time left to not change everything. Um, with our current growth of epidemics of chronic disease, our backs against the wall financially, if not from a, you know, a care for humans. Um, we have about 15 years before we hit a rate of autism that looks to be one in three or one in five kids by 2035. Um, just that disease alone will cripple our economy, uh, just that one disorder in children. It's a lifetime of medical expenses and, and uh, financial you know, support around a child with autism. And so if we hit one in three or one in five children with autism, as we're on target to do, we will cripple the economy with this, that. But at the same time, we will achieve rates of obesity that will be one in two, type two diabetes will be at one in two adults, and we will have cancer rates at 80%. Right now we're already at one in two adults with cancer before they die. And so we're really 
knocking on the door of financial collapse of our nation. Keep in mind not only the cost of all of that healthcare and disease management, keep in mind the loss of productivity. And so these generations will not be able to produce the incomes and the, the raw materials needed to drive an economy that could afford this level of disease management. And so for those two compounded reasons, we are looking at the complete collapse of the American empire very shortly, 10, 15 years. That means we only have you know, this five, six year sweet spot, I think by 2025, if we haven't radically shifted the trajectories of chronic disease by 2025, we probably will miss the boat. Even if we dull it after that, it's still gonna cripple us. And so we got about six years to change everything. And so that's your mission as a listener right now is to understand how as a consumer you drive this boat, you, you are at the, the helm. You can shift not just big pharma and the pharmaceutical industry, you can sh shift big farming and the chemical industry that's driving that. You can shift consumer demand for things like plastics, things like the, the heavy metal containing uh, uh, materials that so many of our consumer products have. Stop consuming the clothing that's contaminating the oceans with microplastics. And so at every level of your consumer behavior, you're currently probably unbeknownst to you participating in a completely destructive, completely uh, short-lived economy that's sucking the energy and the, the resources out of the planet to turn those into toxins and waste products instead of rejoining them into the natural cycles of ecology. You're doing that and you have the power, powerful to change, power to change all of that. And so uh, as we drill down to your next question, which was the microbiome, um, I'll pause for a second, I guess, and see if there's a follow-up question to that, and then I'll jump to the next. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's the power of one individual, right? Like if we each just stop buying all of the chemical-laden foods or what, like everything that you had just said, like people don't even realize that impact. Let's support our local farmers that aren't spraying everything. Let's look at that. And we, we can deep, um, deep dive into that with how we can support our local farmers. But totally. um, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys are really, the, you are the revolution waiting to happen. And your interest in this podcast is really hopeful to me. It brings you know energy and hope to my whole team. Uh, we've got you know team members all over the world now working on this these problems from multiple aspects of human health, ecology, energy. We're coming at it from all aspects simultaneously uh, because we believe we don't have a choice to create the solutions big enough to change things in six years around the planet. They have to be massive. And so we would give up hope if it was just you know a couple hundred of us bounding this drum to, to do this. But we are so encouraged that there's thousands and thousands of you out there listening, looking, searching for new solutions for your home, new solutions for your health, your children's health. Your, your loved ones and your community at large. And so to be able to engage your audience is thrilling and it is our lifeblood. So thank you for your presence here. Um, and Dr. Lisa, thank you for what you do to get this you know, the message out over and over again in so many shapes and forms. So um, the microbiome, let's drill down on that. Uh, it's a misunderstood term. It's oversimplified to be bacteria. Uh, certainly bacteria are an interesting aspect of the microbiome, but that's only 30 to 40,000 species of this ecology of many species of bacteria that do all kinds of different important things in the ecology. We tend to think of good bacteria and bad bacteria. Now, after 10 years in this area and research, I can guarantee there is no such thing as a bad bacteria. Nature did not screw up. Nature did not create villains. Nature creates everybody in their niche doing their role. Pseudomonas is one of the most feared infections in hospital systems, terrible in bone marrow transplant units or burn units that create uh, horrific infections is our mindset. 
But as we turn out, we find out Pseudomonas is the most important detoxer of radioactive materials on the planet. And so it's not a bad bacteria, it's got a role. Where we run into problems is when we screw up the terrain so badly that there, there's an overpopulation of bacteria that shouldn't necessarily be in that space. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And so it's this terrain issue that we're really focused on when we talk about microbiome. The microbiome is an ecosystem like the terrain of a, a, a jungle of the Amazon or a coral reef off the coast of, of Brazil. These massive ecosystems have a complex terrain that allow for niche uh, environments to be created that would have a role for every species. We need to take a role in politics in the same mindset. It's only through diversity and healthy terrain of diversity that we will create a healthy political system, socioeconomic structures out of those political systems. So diversity when it comes to microbiome is key. There is no such thing as a probiotic that is good for you. There may be probiotics out there that do less damage than others, but probiotics at three species or seven species or 24 species, I don't care what the number, you can never equate to a balanced 30,000 species ecosystem by taking a monoculture every day. And so we have to give up on the probiotic industry's promise of learn to create gut health or whatever it is and realize that is a spitting in the wind at best. We will never create a healthy gut with a probiotic. We used to think, you know, even when I was preaching that message, I thought, well, maybe right after an antibiotic, there's a role for probiotics. And of course, in Cell, one of our biggest journals in the world, uh, they published two back-to-back -back, um, studies and back in September of 2018 that completely demolished the probiotic belief system. They showed that, in fact, those probiotics are um, suppressing the rediversification of the microbiome after antibiotics. It's probably the worst possible time to take a probiotic, it turns out. And so they followed those mice out to, to 45 days and there had been zero recovery beyond the antibiotic. And so the probiotic of 45 days was just as bad as an antibiotic at, at holding down the biodiversity of the gut. That's the opposite of what we had been told. Mm -hmm. We had also been told that those bacteria that we take in a probiotic can't set up shop and colonize the lumen of the intestine. We, that was an important promise because we know these aren't supposed to be, be colonizing human gut because all the bacteria you take in a probiotic are from cow intestines, cow microbiome. You don't want cow ecosystem in the human intestines. And so we were told, well, they don't actually set up shop. They just passively move through the gut and they modulate your immune system. And we had all kinds of stories that we had baked up around this probiotics. We were trying to cut and spin the data as much as we could to justify what we knew was not a, a representation of healthy gut microbiome. In the end, we should find out in the, in the Cell magazine and the Cell Journal there that we, we find that, in fact, it did colonize the lumen of those intestines, not just of mice, but also of humans, ultimately. The human studies follow those people out six months, and if they were on a probiotic, they still had not recovered microbiome at six months. Where if they had done absolutely nothing, no probiotic, no fecal transplant, nothing, and just gone back to their normal lifestyle, within 30 days, they had recovered their baseline ecosystem. That's crazy. So that's proof that we are doing damage with probiotics. You are better off with zero help to the microbiome. You are an extension of the nature around you. How do you get microbiome? You touch nature. The more you touch, the more you get in diversity. And so my prescription to my patients when it comes to microbiome, touch nature, breathe nature, love nature, and it will love you right back, and you'll become an extension of it. Your gut will literally have the same bacteria, the same fungi, the same viruses, the same parasites that nature provides for you. And big news is you need all of those. It is not 30,000 species of bacteria. It is 
300,000 species of parasites. It's 5 million species of fungi. It's billions of species of viruses. That's, an, that's the ecosystem we live within. And if we back up, back up and look at the bio, biologic mass on Earth, nematodes, these tiny little worm-like parasites, are the largest mass of any other life force on Earth, this parasite. And so it's just amazing to realize if these things were against us, we would not be here. We literally developed over 180,000 years of human experience in the Homo sapien, 180,000 years here in this form, but for millions of years before that, biology was developing in the context of 300,000 species of parasites, 5 million species of fungi, billions of species of viruses. Now we're starting to realize that viruses and fungi are, are changing our genomic structure. They are supporting normal biology and recovery. The neurons in an, in an Alzheimer's brain that have been damaged are supported then by a mycelial structure of fungi that can, can get nutrients and, and adjust the, the nutrient reservoir around those damaged neurons. The fungi come to the rescue. A woman that's developing breast cancer has gone to an anaerobic state. There's no oxygen in her breast. So the sphingomonas bacteria that should be there can't be there. And so a new strain of bacteria called methylobacteria moves in to try to create an organic garden back in this damaged space. It's doing damage repairs, trying to, and then we nail that with a, an antibiotic or chemotherapy and that bacteria is gone. Now the woman dies of stage four rapidly progressive cancer because she has a sterile tumor. A tumor that's being given resources, nutrients and communication doesn't go on to kill you. A tumor that's in isolation, totally lost of any support system in the microbiome, has no choice but metastasize, steal resources from the rest of your body and kill you. And so we are now seeing that cancer is not a disease at all. Cancer is simply a symptom of a, a loss of microbiome ecosystem. It is a loss of nutrient availability and communication at the cell level. It is ultimately a cell that has become extremely vulnerable, lonely, and isolated without resources. And its last chance for fight is to proliferate. So it becomes a tumor. If the tumor can't find enough resources locally, it has to develop the techniques to spread. So it will spread to lymph nodes, it will spread to distant metastases and the rest, simply to try to, to create life. It doesn't know that it is part of a larger organism, it's just fighting for life because it thinks it's the last semblance of life itself. Yeah. And that, from a tumor, I can tell you is one of my deepest educations. To find out that life itself, all the way down at the cell level, is actually built of the drive for life, is beautiful. There's something of God in that. There's something of this message of the fabric of biology is drive for life. Life is the manifestation of biology. It is the manifestation of atomic physics. Life is the outspringing of the universe. You can't suppress that. If we kill humanity, if we cause this mass extinction that we're currently causing, life will spring out of the universe in force. It cannot be suppressed. It is the manifestation of it. And so that should be a huge lesson to you and me when it comes to our question of, can I heal from a cancer? Do I need chemotherapy? Do I need all these other you know, drugs? If you use them, remember they're Band-Aids, they're not getting at your root cause. Not one single cancer has ever come from a lack of chemotherapy. These are the things we need to remind each other. We need to encourage each other. Biology happens, that is life. Life happens, life is healing. Healing is an intrinsic part of your capacity, your biology, your makeup. And so if you are a healing machine, what are you doing to limit your healing such that you're aging, that you're accumulating disease? You're doing something to disrupt the natural cycles of, of regeneration that are in your body.
your body always knows how to adapt. That's what we talk about within chiropractic, right? That innate intelligence. And that's exactly, exactly what you just said. So there's not something that we've experienced in our lifetime, right? Like I feel as if when I, I don't even know what year Roundup came around, but let's talk about um, what that is doing to our entire food system, because it's definitely over the course of the last several decades has really shifted things into a very negative impact on our life. So I know you've got tons of research on this. Yes, yeah, Dr. John Gilday is our PhD yeah. in our lab. He is a powerhouse in this area. Um, he was the one that bring, brought Roundup to my attention when we were first having these nutritional problems. How is it that patients are getting more inflammation, not less, from healthy food? It was because of this chemical in the food. And so it turns out that not told to any of us in the, in the medical world, let alone the consumer world, there is a water-soluble toxin that has gotten into every part of your nature. And that molecule is called glyphosate. It is a man-made molecule that has a backbone of glycine. It's an amino acid that's critical to biology. And then we added a phosphate group and an, and an amine to the other end. And you end up with this chemical that's in the organophosphate category, which is the same category as Agent Orange, which we sprayed over Cambodia and Vietnam to kill South Asia in the, in the 1960s. We knew that was a carcinogen. We knew it was killing life all around it. We used it to kill all biologic life. We turned Cambodia and, and Vietnam into total moonscapes. There wasn't a single weed growing because of those organophosphates. There was no trees left. We totally annihilated biology there just so that we could see our enemy better to shoot them more effectively. And so the sins that we've achieved as a nation are, are many and extreme in the last 50 years. But among those sins is to then take that biologic warfare not to the, the battlefield, but instead into our farms to poison our very food system with those same chemicals. That should be the definition of insanity right there. The only thing that's more troublesome is that as consumers, we became so lazy and so trusting of a massive food industry that we would in fact empower through our own laziness and pursuit of comfort lifestyle, we stopped participating in the production of food. In the 1940s, we were producing 40% of our food chain in our backyard victory gardens. By now, we are producing less than one-tenth of 1% 1 of our food in our backyard gardens. We stopped growing food. We eat more food than ever before. We eat more calories than we ever did in the 1960s. So we're demanding more, and we're not willing to do any work for it. And so that's what created these chemical industries, and we turned a blind eye to it all because we knew it was convenient, because it justified us to build more strip malls, to build bigger office buildings, to make more money on Wall Street, to do all these, you know, consumptive lifestyles drove the need for these chemical farms, or at least the opportunity for these chemical farms to do what they have done. And so in that journey, this glyphosate molecule has been integrated into all levels of biology on the planet. We have a water soluble planet. It's 70% water by surface area. All the plants that grow out of it are 70% water. The humans and animals that would live off those plants are 70% water. And so when we added a water soluble toxin to the mix, that was a big, big shortcoming and the short-sighted uh, behavior decision again. And we've done it again and again at higher and higher volumes every year over the last 40 uh, to more and more poison our planet, again, for the pursuit of the mighty dollar. We want our companies to make more money so that our convenience gets more, so our cars get fancier and everything else. And so we are participating in this. And so uh, we have to come to terms with that as a, as a nation. We need to come to terms with that as a human species. And we need to quickly then turn our our awe and you know perhaps hopelessness into action. 
the molecule glyphosate has been popularized in the chemical Roundup. Uh, Roundup is the famous weed killer that you'll find in any Lowe's or Home Depot. It's also the primary chemical used on farms throughout the world. We currently consume around 5 billion pounds of Roundup annually. That water-soluble toxin, less than one-tenth of a percent of that, ends up on a weed. It's actually never been patented as a weed killer. It's been patented instead as an antibiotic. And so this chemical has become the primary destruction of the microbiome that we just so much spoke on. It kills the bacteria, the fungi, the parasites, it kills the viruses. It is a nasty, nasty chemical for biologic life. How does it do that? It does it through blocking enzyme metabolism to build nutrients, to build building blocks for biology. The critical one that it blocks that Monsanto tells us about in all their patents is that it blocks an enzyme pathway called the shikimate pathway. And in blocking the shikimate pathway, the food and the bacteria and fungi of the soils, the, the plants that grow in them, none of those elements can now produce the essential amino acids. The essential amino acids are the nine amino acids that we can't produce in the human cell. And so what we end up with is missing the vowels or these critical building blocks for protein. You can't eat a piece of protein and expect that to end up as a piece of protein in your muscle. It doesn't work that way. Protein in the chicken or the soybean or whatever you're eating is going to now be broken down by the microbiome to all of its amino acid constituents and then made available through a bioavailable uh, metabolic process to the human body to then use as a building block for the large proteins that it will go on to produce. Those proteins aren't just things like muscle and scaffold and bone. These things are the enzymes, the workforce that would detox your body, that would produce energy for your body, that would repair your body, that would do cell, stem cell replacement when things get too bad. This enzyme workforce, this protein structure of your body is now being misspelled because we added a chemical that blocked the shikimate pathway that stole away the nine building blocks for life. And so now we have to misspell all the words or the proteins that would become our body which means our protein pathways, our enzyme pathways are deficient. They don't work well. They are misspelled. Their function is deliberately disrupted by this chemical that we are eating and drinking. So what are we gonna do? What, how do we start to reverse this process? If we don't look at it at this grand scale of agriculture, we can't tip the scales. And so we have to start looking at changing farming behavior radically, rapidly. And that's where my excitement comes is that over the last nine years, I've proved that if I put the communication network of microbiome into a patient, they can heal at light speed at rates that we didn't think possible. And now we're proving we can do the same thing to the soil. Mother Earth, as it turns out, is a freaking healing machine. She is faster, smarter, more complex than anything we've ever dreamed up in the chemical industry. And frankly, the microbiome knows how to deal with our chemicals. We've found now a few species of bacteria that can chew up the glyphosate in the soils. We have found that the, the Mother Earth planted in her fossil soils the antidote to Roundup, and that's what we produce now through the fossil soil processing in our labs and production system out here in Virginia. Fossil soil as an antidote to this warfare chemical. What kind of wisdom is that of Mother Earth, that she would, she would birth the solutions 60 million years before we would come and do our damage? I'm so humbled by the seeming nonlinear fashion of Mother, Mother Earth's grace. And you guys are part of that. You guys are participating as consumers on one end of that scale. And if we can now close that loop and help you participate on the production side, 
we will close the loop. We will stop believing there's waste. We'll stop believing that there's toxins. We will start to realize nature has cycles that will deal with all of our insanity and put us in line. As soon as we look at the t nature for the template of what should clothing be, what should our consumer products be wrapped in, what should our consumer products be grown in, nature has the solutions for all of those things. And as we turn the attentions of not just our medical scientists and, and our hospital systems, but our engineers and our product development specials to nature and say, use that as our template. Don't build anything that A, doesn't come from a template of nature and can't return to her. Don't make anything that doesn't have a closed loop system back into nature. We can do that. Within a decade, we can do that to all consumer products, but it's gonna take a very concerted will and avenues of communication for it. And this is one of them. So share with them your project. And then I also want you to share with them the antidote that you discovered as well um, and how they can find out more information. So I'll give you the antidote first because I, I have a biotech company around this. So you're, everything you're about to hear is a very biased opinion because I've created all this science with my team. We've yeah. created a, products not just for humans, but for large scale agriculture. We're going into uh, cattle and, and swine and, and poultry industry to try to reduce the suffering there and improve the, the health of the food chain there. We're going into uh, the equine to try to reduce the suffering of horses, which is one of my softest points when it comes to the animal kingdom. That breaks my heart what we do to horses. Um, my daughter is the, the dog fanatic, and so she's most passionate about our pet product. Um, and so we're creating these solutions from these fossil soils. But our main goal that I'll tell you next around the nonprofit is we would like to put all of our companies out of business over the next 30 years by changing everything we do in agriculture. And that's our call to action at the end of this. So number one, what is the product? The products are these carbon molecules. It turns out in 2012 when I was trying to figure out why kale was hurting my patients, we started to find in the soil science these huge molecules that looked remarkably similar to the communication molecules I was using as chemotherapy agents. And so it was a huge aha moment in 2012 for me in my clinic when I thought suddenly, what if these 4,000 years of journey into the plant kingdom try to find our medicine, we were missing something deeper, something bigger, was a more powerful medicine of communication in the soil itself. And so that's what we started going after was to understand what these molecules were. And a few months later, we found out these were being made by bacteria and fungi. And this suddenly closed the loop on my, my cancer research and education, which had started to break apart. By 2007, we were starting to see these crazy articles coming out of UCSF, UCSD, universities proving that the genetics of the microbiome of the human gut were correlating with which cancer these people were getting. And this completely defied any knowledge that I had or any of my colleagues had as to how cancer happened. How could the poop de determine what cancer you were going to get? And that's exactly what kept getting shown. And we laughed it off. We laughed it off. We justified it off. By 2014, you can't argue. It is undoubtable now that the change in the microbiome of your stool is exactly what's predisposing you to the vulnerability of cancer in your body. You miss a few species here, you get prostate cancer. You miss a few species here, you'll get breast cancer, etc., etc. And so this is the closure of the loop is that these carbon molecules with this huge oxygen hydrogen binding capacity that we found were ultimately the thing missing as the bacteria disappear. And when you start to lose the bacterial fungal communication network, which is what these carbon molecules provide, you have loss of communication, you develop loneliness, and you are now into the cascade of chronic inflammation, autoimmune disease, cancer, and the like. And so that was our journey into understanding that here's the mechanism by which the microbiome is the foundation of health. 
is literally the communication network of that health, is literally the communication network of the healing process itself. So that's what we've been working on. We've shown unbelievable results. We, we refine these out of fo a fossil layer of soil in the United States. We've found six other places around the, the world now. We've looked at dozens and dozens of spots around the, the world, most of them which don't work, but we have found six others around the world now that have dense enough microbiome diversity in that 60 million year old history with, that we're able to produce this fossil record. And what we're doing is we're not pulling microbiome out of the soil, we're pulling instead these carbon molecules that were left behind. And each bacteria and fungal species makes a different variant of these carbon molecules. And so we've come to refer to these as carbon snowflakes, each snowflake different in shape and function. And that's very much how these function. And so these carbon molecules different in shape and, and purpose within that communication network create this wireless communication network. And once one cell can talk coherently to the next cell, they can exchange resources very readily. We have fiber optic cables that we run between all of our cells that can passage nutrients and electrical energy back and forth to, to coordinate healing process. And so even if one cell is too damaged to repair, its neighbors can help bring in resources if the communication is fluent. But here we run into the problem of your cell phone. Your cell phone has a, a computer that receives and transmits information all the time, but you are, if you're further than seven miles from that cell phone tower, it's rendered useless. You can't contact anybody. Furthermore, the computer starts to fragment its software. And so it starts to slow down, your app stops working, nothing's really communicating well, and you have decay and slowing of the system. As you lose microbiome, we now understand that you are losing that wireless communication network that would be the cell phone tower. All the individual cell phones or cells are now in isolation and they're decaying. They're developing fractionated software. They can't update their hardware. They can't repair. And so this is the phenomenon. We pour back in the communication network and we don't have to do anything. We have the only supplement on the market that tries to do absolutely nothing. The wireless communication network in a cell phone tower has never started a, a phone call, but your cell phone uses that tower as the propagator of information. And so we have to make sure that our, our function of our, our, our uh, supplements are totally passive. And it's that passive, processing uh, or passive pa um, passing on of the information that is the power within the supplement realm. And so that's Restore. It's a dietary supplement. It's a liquid. Uh, we do all of the processing here in Virginia. It's pretty amazing if you ever want to come out here and visit. We take fossil soil. Uh, it looks like uh, hard rock. And we take that into in its powder form and we turn that into liquid gold. It turns from black into gold. We take that then through all these catalysts to get the oxygen hydrogen binding correct. And in the end, we come out with this, this smooth liquid fluid that sets up the exchange of hydrogen and oxygen across complex molecular cascades. We've shown in our laboratories now that we do it a myriad of things uh, by supporting biology. By supporting the biology, we reverse that tight junction Velcro injury that, that is caused by Roundup. I don't think I even mentioned that yet on this podcast. Roundup does all that damage to the shikimate pathway, blocks the building blocks for life, all that. But furthermore, it destroys tight junctions, which is the Velcro proteins that hold your gut barrier together, holds your blood vessels together, meaning the vascular system, which means your blood-brain barrier, which means your kidney tubules that detox you, all fall apart within minutes of exposure, even two parts per million of, of Roundup, which is what you'd find in any conventionally grown beet, sweet potato, kale, whatever kind of food you're eating, you're consuming that level of Roundup and it's forcing this dissolve effect on your, your tight junctions. 
And so you are becoming a leaky sieve, which is why kale can cause inflammation, is because you now have an unintelligent, unregulated absorption of all those nutrients. I think probably the most noxious is the, the, the insoluble fiber, which is probably the best cancer-fighting compound within that food. And yet if it absorbs into the body incorrectly, it becomes a huge natus for inflammation, causes cancer. And so we can see a food move from nutrient to toxin by the dissolving of those tight junctions. And so the, my concern over Roundup is it's not because it's just toxic. It can turn everything into an unregulated toxin for you. And so it's destroying that. Now it happens to the blood-brain barrier. You have brain fog every time you eat. That's why you nearly fall asleep every afternoon at 2 o'clock and you're hitting the Red Bull or your Starbucks or whatever it is to get that perk because your body is in a massive overwhelm. Inflammatory cascades all over the place trying to do damage control because you're a leaky sieve at the gut, you're a leaky sieve at the brain, and also when you're a leaky sieve at the kidney, which means that once you've absorbed toxins, you can't get them out. So you become a sponge. That's Roundup in a nutshell. You put that antidote communication network back into play, the cells know exactly what to do with that. They say, well, we just have a deficiency in ZO1. So within four minutes, we can show this rapid increase in ZO1 production, integration in the membrane. The membrane zippers back together in 16 minutes. Unprecedented rate of repair. And the supplement does nothing. It's not there to repair or fix anything. It just put into communication what had happened. Because before that moment, the cells were being damaged and couldn't figure out what was going on. Get back to the communication network. They know exactly what's going on. They know exactly how to manage their own health and healing. That's my concern about the supplement industry. It's a bunch of Band-Aids that force individual pathways as if we can micromanage a system of 70 trillion cells that need to work in concert with 14 quadrillion mitochondria that are working in direct concert with 1.4 quadrillion bacteria, innumerable parasites, fungi, viruses, and we think we could micromanage that with $300 of supplements a month. We need to stop the micromanagement. We need to respect the ecosystem. We need to bring back in the nutrients and deliver the foundation for health and healing, which is touch nature, be in nature, communicate within it, and you're a healing machine. And so that's the product line. Restore for Life is the website. If you want more science around that, we've got peer-reviewed science articles um, that have done that. We just finished a, a double-blind placebo-controlled human trial that showed the exact you know, correlations with what we've been proving in the Petri dishes forever. And so we've shown in that study, you see, see a 20, uh, 23% drop in um, Roundup levels in the urine over a two-week period. You show a 24% reduction in inflammation markers and a 20% reduction in zonulin, which is the, the molecule that causes the leaky gut in response to the Roundup effect. And so we show less toxin getting into the body, less effect of that toxin in regards to the leaky gut, and you show less inflammatory pressure. And this was all done in healthy individuals. And so even our healthy individuals coming into the study, not one of them had clean urine. Every one of them had Roundup in their urine coming into the study. And so we can show that effect that the reality is you are breathing, drinking, and eating. In fact, breathing Roundup today. 75% of the air samples taken by the, the EWG group, the Environmental Working Group, show contamination with Roundup in your air. 75% of the rain, rainfall contaminated with Roundup. And so why are we going to start eating organic? Not because organic's clean. It's not. It's contaminated. It rained on it. It's in the groundwater. It's everywhere. Why? Because we're going to change the farming industry. And so your mandate is to be a radicalist when it comes to clean food. And it doesn't exist yet, but you're going to create it. And so the closest you can come to clean food is, in my book is grow a garden. Grow a garden in your backyard. Grow the healthiest, deepest soil you can through a cooperative relationship to the soil. Don't till, over-till that soil. 
see drill in, respect the weeds, let the weeds be there, pull them if you need to, but don't spray them. Keep the weeds there for as long as possible because they're bringing nutrient into the soil. If you let the, the seed cycle do its thing, you'll find out that next year it's different weeds. They're doing different work for the soil as it repairs. The weeds, like the bacteria, are never bad. They're part of the solution. They're part of the natural ecosystem. They are trying to create balance where you have disrupted it. So that's the journey. So create a garden. If you are not a gardener, then grow one plant to remind yourself of the need for participation. Grow a mint plant in the window. Grow, grow something, a basil plant in that, that bay window. If you can't do that, then participate in your farmer's markets every weekend. Know your farmers. Get a part of a CSA, a consumer-supported agricultural farm, where you can go out on the weekends and, and teach your kids and grandkids to pick food and what that feels like and what it feels like to have your, your fingers and, and toes in the dirt. Touch the soil. Take your shoes off, for goodness sakes. Get the rubber off your soles and put your feet on the ground. Touch Mother Earth. She loves the hell out of you. She wants you back in connection with her. It's why you feel better after a week at the beach. It's not because you had less stress from work. It's because you finally touched Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. You finally touched your source. It's so a reconnect. And so now, you know, to take that a step further, we launched a nonprofit this year. It's called Farmer's Footprint is our, our public campaign. The bigger org is coming up behind that, and it's very exciting. Um, but the Farmer's Footprint is a, a docu-series that we've created, 22-minute seg segments. The first one just came out in February. So you can go to farmersfootprint.us and, and see that 22-minute segment. It's a call to action to directly support these farmers that are failing under the chemical agriculture, just as our physicians are failing under the chemical management of health. And so you need to get engaged there and tell these farmers you care. You believe there's a future for healthy food in, in your society. And I want you to, to put my bi biotech companies out of business because we simply won't need supplements when Mother Nature's doing her work in the next few decades. I love it. We'll put all those links too, right down here below the podcast, but I do appreciate all your information. And it's one of those things just to be inspired as to how we can make a change and, and improve. Um, I was introduced to your supplement to restore in I think 2016. And every, all the listeners here know I had ended up going through a health challenge and it was probably in the early stages because of, it was one of our mutual colleagues that introduced me to it, but it was a huge game changer for me. So I appreciate all of your work that you've done. Um, I appreciate you just sharing your message and helping us all to live better lives and help help shift the consciousness of what's happening. So thank you. Thank awesome. I'm engaged um, on the websites. Um, there'll be opportunities for you guys not just to didactically learn from us, but actually get uh, become activists. Um, we have a town hall kit coming out, and that town hall kit will include PowerPoint presentation material, uh, written materials for you to hand out, the film itself, and uh, we have a kit coming out from a wonderful woman, Kim, in uh, Irvine, California, on a whole kit on how you get your county to ban the use of Roundup on your soccer fields, your roadways, uh, your school uh, playgrounds, and everything else that are contaminating your kids. Uh, Miami just outlawed Roundup in the entire uh, uh, greater county. So really exciting to see huge municipalities starting to come online. Uh, the, the information that was used to get Miami and Irvine and other places around the country to ban Roundup in their counties is uh, coming to you through our website. So stay tuned, get in action. You can make your home and your neighborhoods cleaner within months through this action. And so you can really be part of this radical transformation, become a leader in it. Uh, and so if you feel at all inspired to, to get engaged on a large level, we're going to have all those resources for you. 
If you know landowners or farmers that want to get engaged, have them reach out to Farmers Footprint. We're starting a whole direct support system, a university level education network for them to learn how to shift out of chemical ag to a true, not organic, but regenerative agriculture, which goes way beyond the current organic practices to work with the microbiome directly to build soil, to pull carbon dioxide and reverse global warming. Uh, all kinds of unbelievable, uh, you know, trickle down effects you know, that are positive for the ecology that we're killing right now. So uh, get engaged. We're excited to see you activated. We're excited for you guys to be a part of it, uh, because if we're not a part of it, then we're part of the problem right now. So let's, let's get engaged. So if we have a couple more minutes, can I pick your brain? What really, when I listen to you talking about the research, especially when they find cancer rates with the Mississippi Delta? Can we touch on that? Because that was one of those that I think was an eye-opener for me and I know so many of my colleagues. And I think a lot of people will say, holy smokes, this really this is a reality of what's happening. So could you share that just real quickly? Yeah, the cancer rates specifically, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so um, when I started medical school in the early 90s, um, you know, cancer was not actually even on the forefront of our, our radar. We were really focused on cardiovascular disease as the number one killer. Uh, all of our focus was on stopping smoking. We really thought that smoking was causing lung cancer as the number one thing. And um, other than stopping smoking, that would reverse the cardiovascular disease and everything else. We had, there was awareness of breast cancer. There was some awareness of prostate cancer, but we weren't spending billions and billions of dollars on research on it. It, it was not the number one killer. And now we fast forward today, and it is the number one disease out there, surpassed cardiovascular disease and prevalence in 2012. And so we have a massive burden of cancer that's literally doubled its rates around the country in just the last 20 years. And so that, that massive burden of, of disease is enough in and of itself to, to raise alarm. But more alarming is the pattern in which that disease has developed. And so historically, before 1994, our cancer death was really dominant in the east, uh, in the uh, northern climates of the United States. And so the northeast was are dominant uh, for most of the cancers, which would include things like um, lung cancer, colon cancer, um, and then Northwest was dominant for prostate cancer. And so these different, uh, but always in the North. Then suddenly between 1994 and 2007, in that short 13 year period, not only did we exponentially, you know, you know cause an increase in cancer across the whole country, we catastrophically rose the levels in the South. And suddenly, instead of the, the Northeast and the Northwest as our dominant death space, it was, it was 4X, 5X the, the levels in the South. And so this was colon cancer, prostate cancer, and really aggressive cancers. Non-adenomatous, uh, non-small cell lung cancer caused in non-smokers. It became the dominant, it's the number one cancer out there right now in speed of growth right now. Is cancer not in lung, in smokers? And so again, very surprising demographics developing, surprising spreads of weird diseases. What used to be minority cancers are now majority cancers. Pancreatic cancer, lymphomas, leukemias. And if you look at the epicenter, the highest rates in the entire developed world now lie in the last 90 miles of the Mississippi River between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And that's exactly where we collect 85% of our roundup into that water system from the whole nation. And so we are creating an epicenter of cancer through our utter destruction of microbiology on earth. It's a nuclear bomb event in the South because of the Mississippi River collecting all of that farm waste and putting it into a single water system that's in the air, it's in their rain, it's in their daily lives, 
in deep ways. And that's affecting biology at every level. We have these massive algae blooms happening in the dead zone of the ocean now. The dead zone at the end of the Mississippi is now larger than the state of Rhode Island. The, the threatened zone that's already injured is larger than the state of Texas. You've heard only about red tide because it's affecting the tourism industry. Red tide is happening throughout Florida and the Gulf of Mexico because of the saturation of those systems with these chemicals that are killing the natural ecosystem, the natural biologically balanced microbiome of that water system is destroyed. And so they have weeds growing. The red tide is the only thing that can grow in those toxic waters. We created that. And instead of addressing it, we're literally putting bulldozers out there, we're pouring chemicals out there to try to kill the red tide. It is so short-sighted, it's so far from the solution. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about cancer, we need to realize when we see a cancer at the human level, there is a massive ecologic disaster that would have to happen around that person to induce that cancer to happen. So if you have cancer in your life, and that's not an if, you do have cancer in your life, we are now one degree of separation from somebody with cancer at a prevalence of 50%. One in two humans are now with cancer before they die in this country. And so man, man, woman, and child is now facing these massive levels of cancer risk. The amount of lymphoma and leukemia in children is staggering. We have never seen this level of leukemia in, in, in adult populations, let alone children. And so uh, brain tumors in children exploding in, in its epidemic. And so it's just devastating to see this rate of cancer climb around us. If you just stop for thinking and think about going to the grocery store or go to your church for two hours and count the number of times you're going to hear that somebody just got diagnosed with cancer, somebody just died with cancer, somebody's sister just has the cancer, somebody's daughter just got diagnosed with lymphoma, leukemia. I just was down at MD Anderson, the largest cancer center in the United States in, in Houston, Texas. Their children's hospital just there on site is, is these five giant towers. 30 stories high, and you walk through there for hours. It takes a day just to get through the children's hospital. And it's just heartbreaking to see all these bald children walking around with their chemotherapy on the line, thinking that this is some sort of rational approach to health for these children when we know the cause. We know that Roundup in their water system has, has been the primary driver of this. Obviously, many other things out there, so many other toxins to list. But we know this one is at the forefront. There's 11,000 court cases for lymphomas and leukemias in the court systems now. And we're finally seeing some of those decisions go against Monsanto and Bayer. Uh, and Bayer is starting to suffer. 55% of Bayer stockholders revolted last weekend to give a vote of non-confidence to their CEO for buying Monsanto. We are moving the needle. You need to join now with a, ra a radical voice and say, we are gonna take Bayer down. We are not gonna let genetically modified crops and Roundup Ready Foods be our staple. We are gonna demand that the US start labeling food. We're gonna put this German company out that would have the boldness to buy an American toxin company. That by the way, Germany had already moved, was gonna ban in their own country. And so fascinating that, that the private sector has this ability to rationalize toxic behavior, but you're changing the needle their stockholders are revolting. So get loud, get passionate, change your county, and you will change the world. And so get involved in our town halls as they come out and emerge, get involved in the legislative changes that are easy to achieve. Your, your local legislators are in it. 
They don't, they're not like DC that are separated from the problem. Your local mayor wants to get reelected. How is he gonna do that? He's gonna become famous. She's gonna become radically popular through outlawing Roundup and cleaning up school yards, cleaning up your park systems, cleaning up the golf courses, get the toxins out of our community. It's not for us, we want health. That's the message that your local uh, community is r radically gonna be behind. Give them the tools and they will make the change. Not only are we showing them the problems, we're showing them the solutions. We're giving them in the kit easy solutions for them to use at scale. Instead of spraying Roundup, use this vinegar. Instead of spraying this chemical fertilizer, use this humic substance. And so we're giving them the tools to radically change this consumer marketplace for landscapers, farmers, you know, your park systems. Park systems in our national parks are spraying Roundup in our national parks. And so we got to change every level and we, we're going to get after it and you're going to be the, the, the workforce and, and the military mind that's going to do it. We're going to activate. We are. I appreciate all of your time, all of your effort. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this information with our audience. Thank you, Dr. Lisa. I really yeah. appreciate your show. I really appreciate you know your passion and the effort to get education in the hands of all your patients and consumers out there. So thank you, audience. You're here on purpose. Uh, you, you are here at this tipping point of human history because you wanted to be. You wanted to be part of this action. And so you're tuning in to Lisa's show. You're tuning into life itself and your purpose. So I look forward to seeing your impact. Thank you. All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests in her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms, is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I hear it all the time. How do I get my kids to eat fruits and vegetables? How can I get them to take a multivitamin? Or even for our adults, I hate fruits and vegetables. How do I incorporate some of the great benefits of this? This is why I created the Nourish Super Greens and Super Reds. You are going to love them. They are all organic. You have organic green blend and an organic red antioxidant blend. But what else I love about this? I brought in immune support as well. So we have such amazing superfoods, all of the different mushrooms that are in there, along with digestive enzymes. And you can just mix it into your smoothie. You can mix it into some water, but it tastes good. There are no added sugars. You're going to love it. So just click the link below or go to drlisao.com and click the shop button.